Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Thank you, thank you. Please, you may be seated. It's a real privilege to be here. We had a wonderful time with the men yesterday. Just enjoy being with you. It's a wonderful place to be. And I'm just so grateful to hear some of the lovely, wonderful stories from different people who've encountered our courses in different ways. The Divorce Recovery course, which is about to commence, is one of ours. And Helen and I are the two presenters in that course. And I hope you, if you need it, I hope you do it, because it'll be a real blessing to you. A couple of the resources that I brought with me this time, one, tomorrow night I'm going to be talking about sexual issues. Um, this particular DVD is on healing. When sex has been misused in people's lives, they get damaged by it. And the healing process is challenging. Um, well, one of the th- issues we'll talk about tomorrow night, why is sexual abuse so damaging? You'd think that maybe physical abuse uh, would be much more damaging to a human being than being touched inappropriately, and yet it's not. Why is that so? We'll talk about that tomorrow night. And how does healing come? The great debate was the the largest meeting we ever held in our church was the night I debated an atheist in our church who thought that Christianity was a delusion and we had a great debate for two hours and at the end of that night I shared four miracles that uh, that were present. He didn't have any miracles to share which was very sad. So it was four nil for the Christians at the end. (laughs) And if you've never heard a debate like that it could be really helpful especially for people who think Christianity is a bit silly and they need uh, an adjustment. Um, It's a very important weekend for us and for our family because um, tonight is the grand final of Australia's Got Talent. And my daughter is one of the grand finalists. And I thought that the pastor's given me permission to show you just a, a brief clip of Jennifer, my daughter, singing in the semi-final where she got the golden buzzer to take her through to the grand final. Now, tonight the grand final is on, and I can let you know this. At the end of the grand final, um, there are nine contestants get into the grand final, and at the end of it, the judges will select four who then the public can vote on um, over over their mobiles. Uh, She is one of those four. We don't know whether she wins or not, because that depends on whether or not you vote tonight. So I, uh, I, uh, I, requ- I require it of you that you, you come tonight, you vote early, and you vote often. It's just <laughs> and uh, let, let me show you a little picture of Jennifer uh, singing in the semi-final.
Wow. Well, she got the golden buzzer on that little on that little performance, and tonight she'll be in the grand final. Now I'll be preaching here at six o'clock tonight, so I require all of you be here. If I'm going to be here, you're here too. Bring your mobile phones, and uh, they're going to apparently if they figured out how to get it on the screen, they have. They're going to put it on. So when I finish tonight, and tonight I'm going to be speaking on the, the fingerprints of God. How do you know Jesus Christ really is the King of Kings and the Lord? How do you know that? The fingerprints of God. I want to share with you the whole realm of Jesus and his, the areas of his authority that mark him out as the king. And uh, the one in particular that changed my life is power over unclean spirits and how that transformed my own understanding of what it meant to be a Christian. We'll do that with that tonight. And after that, we're, they're going to put it up on the screen and you're not allowed to go home till we've all voted. <laughs> <laughs> And give Jennifer a shot at being the champion, because that has been her dream, what she was singing about tonight. She's going to be doing a Celine Dion number tonight, um, all by myself, which, if you like, I'll do a little version now, that'd be fun. <laughs> all by myself. <clears throat> well, thanks for coming. Let's get down to real business here. I want to talk to you about the most significant conversation I ever had in university. Um, when I was uh, a teenager, well, I, ever since I was born, I was attending a Lutheran church. My mum and dad were believers. So I grew up going to, to church every Sunday. And there was never a time that I can remember where I didn't believe the Bible was true and Jesus had died on the cross and so on. And as I was growing, all I ever wanted to be was a high school teacher. Just all I ever wanted to do. As a result, um, when I was in year 12, I won a scholarship from the education department, they sent me to university. I then had to teach for three years. And off I went to uni and it was wonderful. I had a car, I had money from my studentship, I had golf clubs, a rifle, a pretty girlfriend. Uh, I was doing full-time billiards and golf and a little bit of university work on the side. And I was having a wonderful time. My girlfriend was an Anglican, Helen. We met in high school and uh, some nights I would, sometimes I would go to her church, sometimes she would come to mine. But I went to her Anglican church one day and her pastor had people sharing testimonies I'd never heard before. I went to a Lutheran church. We didn't have testimonies. And uh, in the Anglicans, apparently they did. And one, that night, uh, her pastor quietly came up to me and he said to me, tell me, young man, where are you with the Lord? Well, you know, I've been going to church all my life. No one had ever asked me that question. And I didn't have a clue how to answer it. And I said, oh, you know, I used to have my doubts, but now I'm right in there. Um, but I went home that night shocked. It's like it tore something open. And I realised, I don't know where I stand with the Lord. And how would you ever know? I guess as a young man, I used to believe that you'll never know if it's true till you die. And when you die, if there's something there, you say, oh, how about that? It was actually true. But you'll never know till that moment if it's true or not. I just didn't know how would you ever know. Well, that night upset me. Three weeks later, we had a visiting Lutheran pastor come and preach in our church and he preached a sermon on hell. Now my life, although I was going to church, was a little bit different than the average Christian's life because I had a can and a hose in my car and I used to siphon petrol out of other people's tanks. But I used the petrol to get to choir practice on a Thursday night. And I used to steal my lunch from the university cafeteria every day so I could have a dollar to put an offering on Sunday. A very unusual Christian life, that was. <clears throat> well, that morning, this visiting speak, pastor preached on hell. 
And I got a really bad feeling about halfway through this message that I might get to see this place someday. (laughs) And even though he didn't have pictures to prove it was true, I knew in my gut it was true. And he said something that day I have never forgotten. He said the worst two words that will ever be uttered in hell are the words, if only, if only I'd listened, if only I'd taken it seriously, if only I'd followed Jesus. And the thought of dying and discovering that I had never connected with the grace of God just was appalling. Now, by the end of that sermon, I was deeply afraid. Now, if, if I'd come to this church, they'd give you a chance to get saved, you know. At the end of the service, someone might say, well, look, if there's any young man here with a can and a hose in the boot of his car <laughs> who feels the need for Jesus, and I would, yeah, that's me, that's me. But I was a Lutheran. See, they scare the hell out of you and send you home for lunch, and that's all they did. <laughs> And as I left that day, I thought, I've got to get this figured out. Where do I stand with God? Now, here was my crisis. I wanted to go to heaven, but I didn't want anyone else to know I was on the way. I I wanted to be a secret agent. I did not want to be a fanatic. I didn't want to be one of those people who, you know, share their faith everywhere and hang out as a Christian. I just wanted to be a secret. My plan was I want to die, go straight to heaven, and as I walk through the doors of heaven, everyone with shocked and surprise will turn and say, oh, we never thought we'd see you here, mate. And I'd say, no, me and Jesus was like that, you know. I was a secret agent for God in Melbourne. Well, that uh, day I figured out I'd better figure out where I stand with the Lord. Now, I was working in a quarry during my university vacation. The next morning, Monday morning, off I go to the quarry, and I'm all day long sitting in a big truck by myself, and I'm alone and trying to figure out where I stand with God. So I'm doing a lot of thinking, and I start to try to figure out how Christian do you have to be to get to heaven? Because you don't overdo this thing, you know. You don't want to get getting fanatical or anything. And I, and I started to try to figure it out. Well, maybe, maybe if I gave God more money, that'd be really good because God's nearly always broke. They tell you that in church. And if I could help God out, that'd be nice. That, that'd, that'd be a good idea. And then I had a brilliant idea. Sunday school. Sunday school. It happens in church on Sunday. I could be a Sunday school teacher because I'm training to be a teacher. It just fits. And, and I could be normal all through the week. Hey, whoa, boys, you know. <laughs> but Sunday morning, I'm teaching the little children about Jesus. And I've got to ask you, you know, how much suffering does it take to get into heaven? I'm willing to suffer on Sundays and teach the little kids. <laughs> and if Sunday school teachers don't get to heaven, who does? <clears throat> And I was getting my list of things together and it was all starting to look pretty good. I was thinking, yeah, I I can manage that much Christianity. I can work with that. I came home from the quarry on Thursday. I'm starting to poke the worms back in the box, starting to feel more settled about my future. I got right, I showered up, I'm going to take Helen out to the drive-in. I got right near the front door and as I get to the front door, God spoke to me as clear as I'm speaking to you. He didn't speak through my ears. It was in my chest. I heard it in here. And he simply said to me, I want you to be a minister. Well, flip that one on my list. I can tell you that right now. (laughs) I wasn't planning to be no minister. And I immediately saw myself dressed in in the black clothes and the colours around my neck. And I burst into tears. Oh, no. 19 years old and I'm dead already. My, (laughs) My entire life. I was appalled. I jumped in my car. I drove around to see Helen. I said, I think God wants me to be a minister. She cried. She didn't want to marry a minister. 
I have a reverse testimony. Because I've heard those testimonies, you know. I used to be addicted to stuff and I was broken and low and I was in the gutter and Jesus came and lifted me up. Well, I was doing okay. Uh, I had a car and money and a girlfriend and some was having a great time and Jesus came along and wrecked my entire life. <laughs> <clears throat> and I was so distressed by it. I was appalled at the thought, overwhelmed. Oh, I've got to be a minister. And now I'm trying to figure out how to get God to ask someone else. I'm saying, I've, got, I've got a list of people that are much better than me. Yeah, yeah, you should go talk to them. And here I'm working my way through my university degree and this call of God would come and go. It, he would then, he'd give me space, you know, give me space to breathe. And then the call would come again. And I was in my final year of uni and I'm trying to study for a history of educational thought exam and this call of God is weighing on me again. And I was so overwhelmed with it. I'm sitting in the library at uni trying to study and I can't think straight. I was just so distressed. And I just happened to notice that there was a Lutheran service on in the religious centre at the uni. And I thought, well, if I do something religious, maybe God will get off my case for a few hours and leave me alone, you know. And so I thought, I'll go to the religious centre. I need you to know I never went to the religious centre. That was the first time in my life I ever went to the religious centre. I used to go to the billiard room, not the, the, the religious centre. So I truck off to the religious centre to try to find some peace. And there's one of the kids from my own home church there was doing the, uh, the service. And he led the service that day. And I didn't get a thing out of it. Um, it, was, it was a bunch of nonsense and... And at the end, he packs up and he's about to leave. And there's a young guy who, who just happened to come to the service that day. And he's sitting right alongside me. And at the end of the service, uh, the Lutheran dudes are packing up. And I didn't leave because I'm so distressed. I came here to find some peace. And I haven't found any yet. Let me share, give you a, a clue about a key to sharing your faith. Just don't leave too soon. You know, we sit down with people. We, we talk and we hang out a little bit. Don't leave too soon. Because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This young dude was sitting next to me. He sat right through the whole service. And um, at the end of it, instead of leaving, he just gets out his lunchbox and starts getting his lunch out and having lunch. And as a result, I didn't leave and he, did, he didn't leave. And we started having a conversation. And I am so overwhelmed by this whole deal. I can't shut up. And I start telling him, well, oh man, you know... I'm I, I just overwhelmed. I, I think God wants me to be a minister. Well, it turns out he's a young guy who's a Baptist kid and he's preparing to be a missionary. So he said, oh, that's wonderful. I said, no. <laughs> no, it's terrible. I'm, I'm overwhelmed. And he said, well, well, you're a believer, aren't you? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, what do you believe? <laughs> well, ask a Lutheran that. I can tell you what I believe, all right. Because, you see, we're really good at that stuff. We, I can tell you, you know, what it, what it means to believe, right? So I said, well, I, I believe a lot of things. Well, tell me some of the stuff you believe. Well, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried. He descended into hell. Third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. 
I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. I believe in all. Am I saved? He said, oh, it's possible. He said, um, well, that's a lot of believing you've got going on there, man. I mean, that, that's an awful lot of believing. Um, let me ask you something about that. Um, you might have just missed one of those words that you just believed in. Go back to the start there where you said, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Yeah, I do. I'm a creationist. I don't believe in evolution. Well, let's go to the next line. And Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. Tell me, Al, um, I mean, what do you think that word means, that word Lord? Well, I guess it's kind of like a title, you know. Like in my economics class, there's Professor Miller, and I'm Mr. Alan Meyer, and he's Lord Jesus Christ. I suppose, you know, you've got to put something on the front of your name. <laughs> well, well that's, that's interesting, but you see, when it comes to Jesus, the word Lord is not just a title like Mr. or Professor or Sir, you know. Sir Jesus Christ? No, 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 he's Lord Jesus Christ. Do you realise what that word means, Al? Well, not really. See, the word Lord, Al, the word Lord means he's the master. It means he's the owner. He's the one with supreme authority. Um, he's the one who rules over everything. He's the supreme being. He's the one who's got dominion. Uh, he's the one who has power. He's the one who's got authority, Al. When we call him Lord, it means he's the boss. Do you, you kind of understand that? Well, I suppose I get it theoretically. Um, well, here, Al, here's the deal. You see, you need to realise that back in the early church, they didn't believe as much as you did. I mean, Wayne, you're way down the track there. That's a lot of believing you've got going there. If you went right back to the beginning, it was a lot simpler than that, mate. In fact, the earliest confession that ever emerged in the Christian church was only four words. You've got a lot of words there, man. Only four words. At the beginning of the Christian church, all you really needed to believe was Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Now, that, that was all you were really being asked to embrace. And if you could believe that Jesus Christ was Lord, then, then that brought a lot of stuff with it, of course, but that was the essence. And I, I guess, do you realise that that is the big question of all the ages? Who is Lord? Who's the boss? Who's in charge? Who is it that has supreme authority? You see, you, you go to Psalm 2 and the Bible describes this as the big question over every human being that will ever live. The Bible says in Psalm 2, this is the big war zone. Who's in charge? Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let's break their chains and throw off their shackles. They think that if Jesus is Lord, it's like being in prison. That's how they view it. They view his lordship as something to be escaped from. Now, the Bible says the one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger. 
I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Uh, Ask of me and I'll give you the nations for your possession and the ends of the earth for your inheritance. See how it's the big, it's the war zone of all eternity. Who's in charge? And if you go right back to the very beginning, it was the original issue. Who's in charge? When God created your first mother and your first father, he created a garden which was a picture of heaven. It was heaven on earth. And he put them in that garden and he said, the whole thing is yours. But there is one issue, one issue of lordship, of kingship. You see that tree called the knowledge of good and evil? That tree's mine. Because here's the thing. You don't know enough to ever be be the source of wisdom for what's good and what's evil. Because I'm the only one, the creator, who knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. You'll say something's good, but if only you could see where it leads, you'd realise it leads to evil. And you'll say something's evil, but if you only saw where it led, you'd realise it'll lead you to heaven. You don't know enough to be the ones who decide what is good and evil. You have to trust me on that. You've got to be willing to trust me because I'm from everlasting to everlasting. I'm the only one who sees the end from the beginning and the beginning to the end. Leave the issue of good and evil up to me and heaven can be yours. If you'll just trust me on the issues of good and evil, everything can be okay. And into that garden came a creep and this was his first question. Hath God said... You shall not eat of any of these trees. No, you miserable coot. That's not what he said. He said the whole thing was ours, but leave the issue of good and evil to him. Oh, I hate to tell you this, but uh, see, if you want a life that's worth the living, you're the one that's going to need to decide what's good and evil for yourself. And with that lie, humanity was scuttled. Al, you've got to understand something. You see, um, when it comes to the issue of uh, who's in charge, there's only one Lord. And you need to realise, Al, you've been doing an awful lot of believing about an awful lot of things, but the one thing you need to be clear on, you're not so sure about. You're not so sure if you want him to lead your life. And you've got to know something. When Christ came into the world, he was not presented essentially as saviour. He was presented as Lord. And he was, he was asked, God's asking you to receive him as king, receive him as the captain, receive him as the supreme authority in your life. And that's the issue that makes or breaks your future. Listen to how it unfolds in passage after passage in the Bible. Luke chapter 2. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a saviour, yes he is saviour, who is Christ the Lord. Acts 2, therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him, Jesus, both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Oh, God wants you to be saved. 
But it's not dependent on you believing in him as saviour. It's dependent on embracing him as Lord. The Bible says, Philippians 2, For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess, what? That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 1 Peter, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. 1 Corinthians, yet for us there is but one God the Father and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things and we exist through him. 2 Corinthians, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord. Revelation 17. And these will wage war against the Lamb and the Lamb will overcome them because he is Lord of lords and King of kings and those who are with him are called and chosen and faithful. He said, well, you know, what you've got to understand is that the gospel is a covenant. You know, there's two words for covenant in the New Testament. One word for covenant is the word sunthiki. It's the kind of covenant you have when you're maybe selling a motorbike. It's the kind of covenant you can have when you negotiate an agreement. I want to sell the motorbike? Well, yeah, sure, I'm willing to. I want 20, you know, two grand. No, I'll give you 1800 You can negotiate a sun thicky, an agreement between equals. You have the right to negotiate it. The gospel is not a sun thicky. It's a dear thicky. It comes from heaven to earth. You can accept it. You can reject it. But you cannot negotiate this stuff. I was trying to negotiate a covenant with God. I'd love to have Jesus for my saviour, but I'm not that keen on embracing him as my Lord. And that was the point at which the most important thing I could ever hear got on the agenda. Al, let me explain something to you. It sounds to me like you're trying to marry a dishwasher. (laughs) You're trying to marry a dishwasher, mate. Imagine if you turned up at your wedding and the pastor says, Alan, would you repeat your vows? Oh, gladly. I, Alan, take you, Helen, to be my lawfully wedded dishwasher. Now, at that point, a gasp from the other side of this wedding says, excuse me, I didn't come here to be married as a lawfully wedded dishwasher. Oh, sorry. And as my lawfully wedded cook my lawfully wedded housekeeper and my lawfully wedded sexy companion every now and then. (laughs) No, Al, I didn't come to be married as any of those things. I came to be received as a wife. Now, you receive me as a wife, you may get the occasional dish washed. (laughs) That just might happen. But you are not here to marry me as your lawfully wedded dishwasher. Embrace me as a wife and a whole range of things will come with that. But you can't marry me as a dishwasher. Al, you're trying to marry a dishwasher. You're trying to marry a foot washer. Oh, Jesus is the king. And he's, am- he's amazing at what he can do with dirty feet and dirty hearts and with dirty heads. Oh, he is an amazing washer. But you can't marry him as your personal dishwasher, your personal saviour. You embrace him as your Lord 
And with that, he will wash you in ways that you never imagined, but you can't have a personal dishwasher. I needed to hear that. Al, you cannot have Jesus as your saviour if you will not embrace him as your Lord. The Bible says, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. I'd been attending church for 19 years, deceiving myself every time I went that I could have Christ as my saviour and reject him as my Lord. That is not a covenant that is available to you. You embrace him as Lord, he'll be a washer of your feet, but you take him as Lord or you don't take him at all. Listen to what Jesus had to say. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, oh, I hate that, many. These are the words of Jesus. There'll be many who have deceived themselves who thought because they believed a doctrine or an idea that somehow that's what, what got them through. No, no, you embrace a king and with a king comes all of his capacities and his gifts. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Listen to it in the words of Jesus. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but do not do the things that I say? That conversation in that university religious center changed my life because at last someone had confronted me with my own ignorance. I was confronted at what I was trying to do with Jesus. And as a result, this parable became my parable. Jesus said to his critics, tell me what you think of this parable. There was once a man with two sons. The father came to the first and said, son, I want you to go and work in the vineyard today. And the son replied, I'd rather not. But afterwards, he deeply regretted what he said to his father, changed his mind and decided to go to the vineyard. The father approached the second son and said the same thing to him. The son replied, Father, I will, I will. But he never did. He didn't go to the vineyard. Jesus said, tell me now, which of these two sons did the will of the father? They answered him, the first one. I am that son. I'm that son, when I was called, said to him, I don't want to do it. And for years I resisted it. But I'm here today because I had a conversation in a university religious center that readjusted my perception of who Jesus Christ is in my life. Let me ask you a question. Is Jesus Christ really your Lord? Is he really? Is he the captain over every area of your life? Would you bow your knee in every... Is there any area you would not bow your knee to him? Let me ask you this. If Jesus Christ really was your Lord, would you have to change the way you handle money? If Jesus Christ was really your Lord, would you have to change the way you handle other people's money? If Jesus Christ was really your Lord, would you have to change the way you manage your sex life? Or is your sex life on the throne? If Jesus Christ was really your Lord, would you use your time differently? Would you share Jesus differently? If he was your Lord, would you love better? 
Would you treat your husband or your wife differently if Christ was Lord? Your husband, your wife, your mother, your father, your children, your workmates. If Jesus Christ was really your Lord, would you go to work and work better? Would you give your employer a better day's work if Christ was Lord? If Christ was Lord, would you handle your worst enemy differently? Would you forgive more quickly, more completely? If Jesus Christ was Lord, would you stop driving and texting at the same time? If Jesus Christ was Lord, would you handle the truth differently? Would you clean up your room when your mother asks you? Would you resolve conflict more quickly? Would you pray more potently? Would you serve better in every area of your life if Jesus was Lord? Let me share with you an old song. I learned this song many years ago. Some of you are young enough, you'll think I made it up this morning. put in a tenant and he'll pay me rent he bought the apartment put in a tenant the end of the first month he came to collect his rent knocked on the door the guy opened the door he said I'm the owner oh he says how wonderful how wonderful to see you he said I have something for you you are the owner you are the owner you have bought this apartment, you are the owner. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that you are the owner. Shut the door and went inside. Owner <laughs> said, that's amazing, I've never seen that before. He said, maybe he's going to pay me two months rent when I come back next month. Came back at the end of the second month, knocks on the door. Opens the door, sweetheart, he said, it's the owner, bring the kids. Out they came, got a piano accordion, 
wife, couple of kids, and they begin. You are the owner. You are the owner. You have bought this apartment. You are the owner. Every nishaba, every tongue confess that you are the owner. You are the owner. Shut the door when it's on. He said, that is incredible. Maybe they're going to give me three months rent when I come back next month. Came back at the end of the third month, knocks on the door. Addy comes, sweetheart, he's got the entire neighbourhood in, a, in a, more people than you had in your choir. He's got a 16-piece orchestra and they all start. You are the older, you are the older, you are. The... There's going to come a point when he says, shut up and show me the money. Jesus Christ is Lord and he's looking for more than a song. He's looking more for more than your affirmation. He's looking for your obedience. And today is a day where I'm only here because I had a conversation in a university where I met a young man who understood the difference between calling him Lord and following his leadership. I'm only here today because of that conversation. And today, I want to pray over you. It may be, I don't know why you came to church. People come to church for all kinds of reasons and all kinds of circumstances. Whatever brought you to church, I can guarantee I could go to any church in the country. And there are people who are living very similar to the way I handled my experience with God in my Lutheran background. It was all about believing rightly, but I was not following him. And this morning I've come to encourage you to know this, that Jesus Christ is Lord. It means he is the ultimate authority. He is the supreme authority. He could say to his disciples, all authority in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. Go and make disciples in every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe everything I have commanded you. He has a claim upon your life. It may be that today this message is something of a surprising revelation to you. And I'm so glad if that's true because it's what changed my life. And if you'd bow your heads for one moment, if you come this morning and you'd be honest enough to say, I needed to hear this because I think I believe rightly, but I need to, I need to embrace the footsteps of a follower. If that's you, I want you to be honest enough to just lift your hand right where you are. I'm going to pray for you right where you're sitting. Because you see, it's moments like this that change everything. It changed my life. I would not be standing here today if it hadn't been for that conversation. That's the way. I see your hand. Put your hand down. There'll be some of you here today that you've never given Jesus Christ this position. And really for you, today is the day of salvation. Because if you will embrace him as Lord, he will embrace you and he'll wash your feet. Oh, he's, he's a wonderful washer, but you just can't marry him for his washing. You've got to marry him for his kingship. The wonderful thing about church is that the Spirit of God is present. Often when the Spirit of God is present, our hearts melt on the inside. We get soft on the inside. And in those moments, a decision is possible. You'll never make that decision when your heart's hard. But maybe this morning, your heart has softened. I tell you my story and something in your heart has softened. 
And today you could make that decision. You could say to Jesus, forgive me, I've made mistakes. I haven't been following you, but I embrace you today. Come into my life. If that's you today, I want to pray for you right now. Show me your hand and I'll pray for you right where you're sitting. Where are you? Good sir. That's wonderful. Come on, where are you? Show me. That's it. That's the way. That's the way. That's the way, mate. That's the way. That's the way. You see, if you make a decision when your heart's soft, anything is possible. And in just a few moments, we'll be out that door and hearts will begin to cool off. You make the decision while your heart is soft and God will go with you. Don't leave saying, oh, I'll do it sometime. No, no, you may never find this moment again. You may never be as soft to God as you are right now. Where are you? Say yes, Lord. Where are you? Come on. Where are you? That's you. All right. That's the way. That's the way. Now I want you to do one more thing. Take your hand and put it here. Take your right hand. Put it right on top of your heart like this. Put it there. Now I'm going to lead you in prayer. I want all all of us to pray with you so you don't feel like you're doing this alone. And if what I'm saying you can mean, follow with me. Say these words, Lord Jesus, I need help. I've made a lot of mistakes. I am sorry. Forgive me. You died for me. You rose again. Come into my life and I will follow you all the days of my life. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.